What's up, skeptics? Welcome to another episode of Reason to Doubt, your source for all things skeptical. I'm Jordan. With me is Jared. How's it going, Jared? It's going well. Um, doing pretty good, I guess, but I did have a little something I was hoping maybe you could help out with. So, What, some kind of medical issue you've got? So You know I was at the beach recently. Yep. Uh, I just got back from a little vacation, and I think I got a little fungus or something on my feet from the sand. I'm not sure. but Well... No, with no other information, I know I have a cure for you. See, there's an invention. It's revolutionized healthcare. It's been in use for many years. Uh, there are certain segments, skeptics, if you will, of the population that don't believe in its efficacy to treat things like heart disease, COVID-19, a critical lack of angelic protection. But don't worry. Essential oils are here to help. Oh, so uh, good news is I actually don't have a um, fungus. Uh, so that was just a... The bad news is essential oils might not cure it anyway. But before we get into that, today's fallacy of the day is the questionable cause fallacy, also known as correlation does not equal causation. Um, mm. So this one is extremely common, both to be accused of, but I think more often people just use it without like realizing that they're doing it. Um, well, there's a good reason for that, too, because it it's very easy to assume that correlation equals causation, right? Just it seems... Um, intuitive, I guess. Right. Uh, yeah. If two things kind of happen proximate to each other, or maybe you do one thing and something else happens, um, we're pattern-seeking animals, so it's very natural for us to draw that kind of connection. Some examples would be like, well, I got sick, and then I did you know, a specific dance while rubbing oranges on my skin, and I felt better in a day or two. Boom. You know? Yeah. Or, <laughs> that's probably not as common, but I think a lot of times you'll hear people say like, oh, you drink this tea that's from this special island in, you know, Asia and it'll or use whatever. emergency uh, right. is another popular one. Yeah. Another uh, example could be uh, you hear these sort of headlines all the time. Uh, you know, people who drink four or more cups of coffee have lower rates of skin cancer. So therefore, the article might claim uh, coffee protects you from cancer but that's well, not necessarily the case. There could be a lot more going on to why people who drink coffee actually have lower rates of skin cancer, right? Exactly. So, so like the reason the phrase, it's almost a trope, correlation doesn't equal causation. Uh, just because two things are correlated or maybe they're associated, which are, there's a bit of nuance as to the difference there. It doesn't really matter. Um, that doesn't mean that one is causing the other. They could both be caused by another third thing. So, for instance, with the coffee thing, perhaps if that were true statistics, and I actually have absolutely no idea if it is true, but if it were, um, perhaps people who drink more coffee tend to work indoors. Maybe they're like office workers, and so they're getting less sun exposure, and that's leading to their reduction in skin cancer, perhaps. Right. Yeah. One thing you'll hear often is when people are talking in this language is you'll hear the phrase causally linked, right, mm -hmm. which is the fact that... Once something's causally linked, then you can say that X caused Y because right. it's now linked. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, before that, all you could say is that this is associated with that. Mm -hmm. So when X happens, Y also happens, then there, there there may be some link going on there, but I don't know if it's X to Y or there's some other third thing or whatever. Uh, but beyond that, you also have to be careful because sometimes coincidences, co 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 coincidences just happen. Uh, sometimes stuff just lines up uh, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff going on in the world uh, and if you look at enough of it you can find uh, some patterns one of my favorite 
websites is uh, Spurious Correlations. Uh, Tyler, I, I guess it's like his personal website, but now that's all it is. TylerVigan.com. Uh, and he has like a ton of great statistics. One of the graphs is like number of films that Nick Cage has been in correlates strongly with like people dying from drowning in a pool, you know, hmm. stuff like that. Uh, hangings correlates with like butter consumption. You know? <laughs> it's, stuff that's definitely not causally linked. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. And that just goes to show that just because two things track together on a graph doesn't necessarily mean that one is causing the other. Yeah. This is, so it makes sense from an evolutionary standpoint why this is so common though, right? Because we can't process all this information. So humans had to take shortcuts. We had to go, all right, if I touch the stove, I'm going to burn myself. Boom. So that's causally linked, right? right. <laughs> but you know, you may see other things that you learn from your parents or somebody tells you something. So you have to take in this information and process it. So like, we're really good at making correlations where there may not be some. So, and uh, it's also makes sense because a lot of times making a spurious correlation is a low cost mistake. Uh, if you think for some reason that doing a specific maneuver or whatever motion or something causes something to happen and it doesn't, well, it didn't really matter. You know, if it did, it didn't cost you much, but if it did help, then, you know, it'd be have a benefit. So it's a low cost mistake. Yeah. Uh, it's actually interesting. You can see this behavior in animals. Uh, it's really easy to get animals to become superstitious. Some of them, I saw a cool, uh, study done once on a bunch of pigeons and uh, the pigeons had been trained you know they know that you know, they hit a button and like food comes down right uh, and that was the case for some pigeons and you know so they learned to hit the button for other pigeons there was a button it didn't do anything that the, the, the food came completely randomly and what they found was like the pigeons would like notice food had come because they'd like just happen to like turn their head or had just like done something like this or whatever, <laughs> right and then they would keep doing that thing they would like do a little dance and move their head and hit the button and like you know because <laughs> because the one time they did that the food came right? it's, it's hilarious yeah. uh so anyway the way to avoid being a superstitious dancing pigeon is to think about uh whether the thing you're looking at that like there's a, allegedly some kind of causal link. Is it really plausible that there's a link? I mean, yet you don't want to necessarily dismiss something just because it doesn't seem on its face because sometimes weird stuff happens. But just if it seems implausible, maybe take a step back and look into it a little uh, deeper. If there, if two things are associated, don't assume that you understand the cause just because they're associated. There might be some other deeper cause. Um, and that's part of why we use the uh, peer-reviewed method in science because Part of it is supposed to be um, isolating causes using things like blind studies to make sure that we actually understand what's going on. Right. And then also repeating and you know, all that kind of stuff. So other people will go, hey, did you not consider that this may be, you know, causing right. your causing your cause? <laughs> right. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so right. speaking of spurious correlations, today's subject is uh, essential oils. Um, so you may not... Uh, well, depending on how connected you are into the spiritual crystal community, you might not uh, be familiar with essential oils, but um, they are claimed by some people to be like modern day snake oil, the cure for all that ails you. Uh, you ran into a coworker recently. Well, I say recently, well, probably a couple years ago now. It was actually, yeah. So it was a couple years ago now, but so I was telling Jordan about this. Uh, this was right when. Um, COVID-19 was starting to become a thing. So we hadn't even gone into lockdown yet here in the States. And 
It was really fresh. Like I didn't even know that I was supposed to wear a mask yet. So that's how fresh it was, right? Um, back in the before times. Back in the before times. But there was a, I used to work before I went remote in a, a business complex. And there were several floors in this business complex. And one of the cars in the parking lot had a, a bunch of stickers for all these essential oils. So one of the bumper stickers was like, I have an oil for that. Uh, and so, I mean, basically saying that no matter what it is, there's an essential oil out there that has you covered and she's going to sell it to you. But we, I actually ran into this person as I was walking into the building that day at work. And this was, I never met them before. And obviously we were talking about COVID-19 and she started making this claim that, you know, with this one essential oil uh, that she had could actually protect you from getting COVID-19. Uh, so I went upstairs and I work in the health industry and I told all my coworkers, like, you hear this crazy claim? And <laughs> sure enough, at least one of them was like, yeah, I'd take that stuff. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so um, there you go. Yeah. So uh, dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it, c- it could potentially be dangerous. Yeah. Um, essential oils, if you've never heard the claim be- or heard the thing before, uh, they're basically oils that are extracted from a plant um, or maybe a seed. Uh, there's a variety of different methods to do the extraction, uh, and it's been used for centuries, even millennia. Uh, there's records going back to ancient Egyptians and Persians uh, using these oils for various things. The modern methods of like uh, distillation were uh, perfected by the uh, during the like Arab Golden Age, um, but it's been used pretty much progressively or consistently throughout human history uh, to treat various uh, ailments. And to you know, scent perfume and flavored food and things like that. Um, so it's very common, um, and the claims being used or the claims being made uh, cover the whole range of uh, possibilities. Everything from the benign to the you know, a little bit more exotic. So I scoured <laughs> the internet and I found an interesting series of claims. For starters, it can improve your sleep. Myrrh essential oil is also a very calming and relaxing oil, and it can really promote a better night's sleep. Pine oil has great antibacterial, antimicrobial properties. To get all these benefits, just add a drop of sage essential oil and a tablespoon of almond oil, and use this mixture in cases of hemorrhoids or chillblains. If you're dealing with cramps or bloating or any type of digestive discomfort, you can apply myrrh onto your stomach. You can also apply it onto the bottoms of your feet. You can also massage your belly to stimulate blood circulation and soothe the disorders related to the menstrual cycle. Interesting, right? Cedarwood or sandalwood or even Lang Lang. And one of the things that those types of aromas can do is to just soothe that part of the brain. Therefore, the brain decreases the heart rate in order to calm the system. Myrrh essential oil is amazing for the skin. Like I said earlier, those cleansing and purifying properties, but it's also really good for anti-aging. Um, it's very meditative and invigorating. It also is great for um, many different uses, helping with skin issues and keeping you grounded. And from an energetic perspective, frankincense will balance your root chakra and your crown chakra. Um, and then also it increases oxygen flow to the brain. One thing that's really wonderful about this oil is that it, uh, it raises your frequency. This has a very high frequency of over 500 megahertz. I know there's a lot of people right now who are scared about 5G. And when your frequency is up, not only are you physically 
going to be stronger um, immunity-wise, but you're also going to be emotionally stronger and able to- In the past, people believed that drinking sage tea could alleviate sore throats, clean the mind and sight, and help people understand what was happening around them or see what would happen in the future. Curious, isn't it? So that's what I was able to find in just like a quick survey of YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah. But the claims don't stop there. Like, believe it or not, uh, as silly as some of those claims got, like seeing the future, I think is a pretty bold claim. Uh, they're not alone. Like this, the actual uh, website that sell it also have some bold claims to make. Well, Jordan, what if I was uh, in need of like uh, an angel? Well. Don't worry, because, I mean, you've probably heard, like, your pastor said, like, uh, you need to pray for that or, or maybe, like, beseech right. God, that kind of protection. Nope. Don't worry. Circles of Wisdom has got you covered because they have the direct line to none other than the Archangel Michael. <laughs> they put him in a bottle, no less. So th this is the kind of stuff that gets crazy, right? Like, people believe this, but... All you so, got to do is spray the spicy scent and it'll track the Archangel Michael right to your location and he will give you protection. You invoke this Archangel for peace, protection, justice, goodness, and love. Like, like not like, hey, this kind of like, we, we were inspired by tales of this Archangel. No, no. If you spray this oil, Archangel Michael is on tap. Could you, you imagine me and Michael, you're up in heaven just chilling, playing a game of chess or something. Then you're like... <laughs> what is that smell and you just have to like zip off to wherever there is in the world <laughs> like i imagine it's it's like someone's crazy it's like why did i give away the oh, formula? oh yeah, my God. Like, they <laughs> did it again but what <laughs> happens if somebody okay. sprays it at the same time you do across the world like does he is he does like he god is he omnipresent i don't know maybe he's like santa i don't know <laughs> uh, yeah. they got all kinds of stuff you got like you need to balance your chakras uh shock chakras are colored energy wheels in and around the body responsible for the flow of vital energy obviously and so you can spray this we don't we chakra woo woo nonsense is a whole nother episode uh but this is just to show you that while some of the claims are pretty simple this purifies your area whatever that means but mainly it just it smells nice some of them are pretty darn bold right yeah <laughs> uh so bold in fact that they've actually gotten in legal trouble uh like you mentioned, your uh, the person you interacted with at work claimed mm -hmm. that the essential oil could cure COVID nineteen. They're not alone. They're not. That wasn't like a fluke, and they like it was just some random person you ran into on the street. Uh, big companies have actually made that same claim, and so the FDA has had a field day with this. Uh, if you just Google, you know, uh, COVID nineteen essential oils, you'll come up with page after page of open warning letters like this one. Uh, this one happens to be to Pure Plant Essentials, but you can find others for different companies. And essentially, it's like the FDA is saying, hey, you said that your product can treat COVID-19. You can't just say that. You have to be able to back it up with evidence. And if you can't, you need to stop. You know? Right. Now, this was at the beginning. So that was like April 2020 or something like that. So right at the beginning of the pandemic. But I think we mentioned that while these big companies are the ones making these claims and they may have got the you know cease and desist letter from the FDA, that information is already out there amongst their practitioners and their peddlers of their products. And they're just going to keep repeating that. Hence, you end up with me walking into the building with somebody trying to sell me an oil to protect me against COVID-19. Like, 
Exactly. Like I looked through to find some of the more the bolder claims. We looked into this at one point in the past and I was able to find more claims of like things like treating specific diseases. The big names have kind of stopped making those claims, but you don't have to dig far to see smaller people like individuals in an MLM or something making claims very similar. Or if you just go in, down into the uh, comment section of a video, uh, not that the YouTube comment section of any video is like a bastion for reason and logic, <laughs> but uh, you can see people still repeating these kind of claims, you know, talking about 5G and COVID-19 and all this other stuff. Um, clearly, they believe in it's prevalent um, in the people who use essential oils to treat themselves. And yeah. that's where you start getting into a problem because if you're making decisions based on incorrect information, decisions that are about actual medical problems that you for which you should receive treatment and you don't receive treatment because you're relying on this oil, that could be a problem. You know, that could, could be could a get real problem. And it's not just like mundane stuff like a headache, for example, could be more than just a headache. It could be a tumor. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no joke. Like it literally could be like, so you should get checked by a medical professional and not just say, oh, me rub some oil on my head, you know, like. Right. Um. Uh, so <laughs> before we keep trash talking essential oils, I should say, you know, we've looked a little bit into the, the actual evidence, like what yeah. do essential oils do? And there is a fair amount of research. And I should say that not every claim, even in that you know montage of clips that we had, was outlandish or unsupported by evidence. Some of them, uh, there, there actually are some effects uh, of essential oils. Uh, the trick is like distinguishing one from the other. Which is not uh, surprising, right? Because most modern day medicines started with natural you know, remedies, you know, you think about aspirin, yeah. right? Like, maybe not most, but many. Like aspirin is a great example. Well, yeah, maybe not most, but yeah. So Yeah. Aspirin Ma being derived from the, the bark of a willow tree or something yeah. like that, you know. Uh, so, yeah, it's not completely ridiculous that uh, some kind of botanical oil could have an effect on the body. Uh, and before we dig into the research, it should be aware there are some actual difficulties, some hurdles to doing this kind of research. The ideal thing when you're dealing with, like, a medical claim is to um, like do things like double-blind studies where neither the person receiving the treatment nor the person administering the treatment knows if they're getting the real thing or placebo right but if you're testing like lavender oil well lavender oil smells like lavender and it's kind of hard to like fake that you know like it, it's hard to like am i getting the real lavender oil or the baby oil well probably it's the one that smells like lavender is the real one right yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh you can also have issues where like scent is very strongly tied to memory and so if someone has like their mom always wore lavender oil, then it might, you know, that might overcome any kind of vestigial effect that the oil would have. Large sample sizes might be over, able to overcome mm -hmm. that. But all of those difficulties aside, you know, it being hard to research and therefore there's a lack of evidence is not evidence of anything. Like there could be very good reasons why we lack evidence. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't expect evidence to believe something, right? Right. So what is one of those claims just to kind of show that like, we actually did some research pro, right? Like that, that, that we actually like did our jobs and, you know, looked into this before we uh, started wasting everybody's time. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So let's start at like the base, the bottom level, the stuff that's most reasonable, the antimicrobial antiviral effects. Um, so here is a paper uh, published in the journal molecules, which is a legit actual peer reviewed paper. A peer journal, I should say. Essential oils as antimicrobial agents, myth or real alternative. 
Um, and they basically go through a ton of different uh, oils and the evidence behind uh, what they do. It's kind of like a meta-analysis. They look at a bunch of different other papers and kind of uh, collect all of that data together and present it here. This is and so we can we could just stop at the abstract. We don't have to read any further down, right? Uh, yes. In fact, you should only read the first part of the abstract. <laughs> Never read past there. Just basically, you, what you want to do when you're reading a paper is read as far until you find the thing you like and then immediately stop and then okay, post it on Facebook. Because that's what I see other people do on the internet. So I just want to make sure that was the right yeah, way. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. Now you should at least you should at least skim through the whole paper. Uh, <laughs> but basically, and you can look up this paper; it's free online. There's no yeah. paywalls. Uh, if there were a paywall, um, definitely, you know, you want to make sure you pay for it and don't get it free. You you want to avoid places like SciHub. That's sci-hub.com, which is like the pirate bay of scientific journals where you can get almost any paper published ever for free. Don't do that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So if, if you scroll down here and, you know, they talk about the introduction and like how they did this and whatever, and then they go into the various essential oils and they talk about, here's the oil. Here's where it comes from. Here are the very specific plants um, that we're talking about. This is the composition of the oil that we're talking about, what sort of compounds it has in it. And here's and the concentrations exactly, and all this stuff. Yeah. The concentrations of all this. And here's exactly what it does. Uh, for instance, lavender essential oil showed antiviral activity against herpes simplex virus type one. It showed antibacterial activity to a much greater extent. And it goes on talking about it had this level of effect on this specific virus and this level of effect on this specific bacteria. Um, and they do it for time. I'm not going to go through all of it. You can go through it if you want. It, it's sort of all variations on the theme. Here's the oil. Here's where we get it from. Here's exactly what it's composed of. And here are the specific viruses and microbes and bacteria that it's useful against and to what extent. Um, so what this paper did show was that um, these essential oils, lavender, thyme, peppermint, sage, kajaput, I'm not sure how to pronounce that, cinnamon and tea tree oil, all had uh, effectiveness to some degree or another against viruses, particularly I saw herpes simplex come up a bunch and strains of bacteria. But so what you're saying is I could just dip the old thing in some lavender yep. and just, just <laughs> throw it right on your skin with no question, <laughs> guzzle it, it'll be fine. Now, I think what, what I really want to highlight here in this paper is that the difference between the way that scientists doing science talk about it and the way that people peddling some you know product are talking about it. When the scientists are talking about it, they said, here is the specific thing. Here is exactly what it does under these controlled circumstances, right? This is what it does. It's very narrow claim. Whereas you've got the people shilling stuff on the internet who are like, it's good for cleaning or it's antimicrobial or it kills viruses. And then, you know, no other detail. Right. Right. And then you think, oh my gosh, well, lavender kills viruses. So it's just as good as Clorox, right? Like, yeah, just as good as a vaccine. Just throw it right, this, right in the vein. You know? mm, yeah. No. That's not the case. So no. uh, while it is true, the claim that, essential oils can have antimicrobial or sanitation effects. Um, That is not that just because that is true of some oils against some things in some circumstances does not mean it's true of every oil. So, you know, leave that sort of stuff to the experts is my personal opinion. Uh, We heard about skincare several times, anti-aging and stuff like that. I couldn't find anything to support its anti-aging, whatever that means. 
maybe reduction of wrinkles. I couldn't find anything to support that. I did find several dermatologists saying, hey, don't just throw essential oils on your skin because some of them are like uh, toxic when exposed to the sun, particularly the citrus ones. So it'll like burn your skin. Don't do that. Uh, so that's one thing, but that doesn't mean it's never useful. So another paper uh, that I found, share, pop this one up. Uh, this was published a while back, 1990. It's, so it's a little old, but still. Uh, it was a comparative study of tea tree oil, and they compared it to an acne treatment. Uh, that's uh, it was specifically benzol, benzoyl peroxide, five uh, percent in each. And so, if you read through this, they took a study of 124 people, so not just like 15 people or a couple people, but like a decent sample size, and they treated the acne on both. And what they found was that uh, the tea tree oil had had a beneficial effect. Um, it had less side effects than the benzoyl peroxide, but the benzoyl peroxide worked a little bit faster. So there were benefits to both. So uh, once again, listen to the cautious language. This isn't, it will immediately cure all acne and any other skin blemish you might be having, right? Just slather it on your face with no, no limit. It was, if you treat <laughs> this specific kind of acne with this specific thing, you'll get a modest result, right? Which if you're into somebody who's into natural substances and you want to try to be more natural for whatever reason, like maybe that's that's the choice you want to make or yeah, maybe you don't want to support big pharma. Well, we never know. But Sure. Uh, but that's, again, not something you can just go grab a bottle on the shelf and throw it on your face for no reason, right? Yeah. Uh, the last paper I wanted to show uh, was another um, uh, meta-study, meta or meta-analysis. And this one is particularly interesting not because of what it says, but because of how terrible it is. Uh, so this one is, was published in the Asia Pacific Journal of Tropical Biomedicine. I have no idea how reliable or how you know, respected of a journal this is. It does appear to be a real journal. It's like on the master's journals list. But So what's interesting here, though, is if you scroll down to the citations, some of them are a little suspect. So for instance, if you scroll down to citation uh, 18, which they uh, use to support some of their claims. This is coming from a journal of alternative medicine, which that immediately raises my skeptic flags because what do they call alternative medicine that works? Medicine. They call it medicine. That's right. <laughs> so the fact that it's like in a journal of alternative medicine immediately makes me um, we're, uh, wary. Your Another skeptic one was, senses are tingling. Right. Uh, <laughs> here's, we got citation 36 which is the aromatherapy massage book. So it's like a handbook for people who do massages with like nice smelling oils. And uh, that, what that is uh, used to cite, what, what they're using that citation for is to support their claim that the benefits of eucalyptus are beyond doubt. Like right. Now that, it would be different, right? If they were like saying, hey, this is what some dumb people are saying, but this not the case. Right, right. or hey, or yeah. Eucalyptus oil has been used in aromatherapy in this way. Here's a citation. Now. Citation. What the, paper, what the paper is saying is that, hey, eucalyptus oil has this very specific benefit, and it's great, and it's beyond doubt, which, first of all, that's language that you're not going to find in a peer-reviewed journal by and in large. They any don't scientific kind of journal, yeah. <laughs> they, don't, they, they tend not to use that kind of language. Um, but this is a cautionary tale why you shouldn't just look at that abstract and immediately assume that everything beyond it is fine. If you read through it, you want to, if it says a citation, you should then, you know, it's a good idea to go. So, okay, well, they said eucalyptus 
benefits are beyond doubt. Who are they looking at? Oh, the massage parlor down the street, basically. <laughs> Not exactly a ivory tower source beyond impeachment, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and the paper goes on. It has, but they're, the quality of their sources are very similar to that. So that is a paper that is used makes all kinds of claim about the efficacy of it to treat. Um, to de-stress, to treat heart disease, to do all these kind of things. But if you actually dig a little bit deeper, the claims aren't actually based on good evidence. It also goes to show you that one, don't just read the abstract. Two, check the sources for the source you're checking. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, reading a paper should take you a little while if you're yeah. doing it right. That should be a t-shirt. Yeah, we should make t-shirts. We Let us know in the comments if you want us to make t-shirts with something like that on it. I actually have a screen uh, printing press and I could do that. It would be, it'd be check the sources for the enough. sources you're checking. Yeah. yeah that would yeah. be cool. Actually. That's catchy. Yeah. Uh, definitely. That would sell like hotcakes. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> but so what's the bottom line? What, what is, what's the culmination of all this? So I think Johns Hopkins really uh, summed it up the best. Uh, they have an article where they're talking about uh, aromatherapy and, um, and essential oils. And what they basically said was uh, these are plant extracts. There's no solid research to say that they have these benefits, but anything that makes you feel more relaxed could be beneficial. So here's safe ways to use it. Yeah. Anything that makes you relax without harming you. Right. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah. That's a good point. Not anything. Yeah. There's some harmful <laughs> things that might make you relax. <laughs> so, um, yeah. but I mean, so I don't know how prevalent essential oil sales have been since the pandemic and people have gone remote. Um, I'm not on the medias of social, so it may still be rampant out there. But if you want to be skeptical and you want to piss a couple people off, next time somebody tries to sell you an oil uh, or says they have an oil for that, ask them for their source. So uh, to sum up, people who peddle essential oils make a lot of claims for everything from it will make you calm and relaxed to it'll disinfect you to it will literally summon an archangel to protect you uh, to you can tell the future if you just drink uh, the right tea. And some of those claims are substantiated to a certain extent by modern medicine, uh, not the archangel one, unfortunately, but some of the other ones. <laughs> but Dang. just because an, an oil can, in certain circumstances, treat very specific strains of bacteria or viruses does not mean that it is a su substitute for vaccines or you can treat any particular disease by throwing it into your throat or whatever, you know. Or dipping your willy in some lavender because you don't want to get herpes. <laughs> right, exactly. So basically what I'm telling you is if you want to use essential oils because they smell nice and it makes you relax and it helps you go to sleep, rock on. That's fine. That's supported by whatever, like to the extent we have evidence, doesn't seem like it's going to hurt you. It's fine. And if you want to use like some tea tree oil spray to treat some very specific microbes, that's probably fine too, you know? Oh, wouldn't you know it? I got herpes simplex one on my counter again. <laughs> Give me the tea tree oil. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but if you're thinking of using essential oils to treat COVID or any other disease or to protect you from your frequency being too high or whatever, <laughs> yeah. maybe consult a doctor before you do that. Uh, oh, man. 
So, mm. uh, we'd love to hear what you think. If you have any funny stories of running into an essential oil MLM salesman, we'd like to hear it down in the comments below. Uh, if you liked our content, please subscribe. It really does help us out. Um, and uh, drop a like if you liked it. If you didn't, let us know in the comments below. We always like to improve our content. So, uh, with that, uh, next time we will be talking to um, we're going to be talking to the guys at Answers and Reason about our journey and coming up, not next time after that, but in the very near future due to popular demand for reasons that are unknown to anyone except the Archangel Michael uh, people really want us to talk about the Shroud of Turin some more, so we're going to do that uh, so look for that. We're actually going to talk about we're it We're actually <laughs> going to talk about it, we're actually going to go through and debunk it and not just make fun of it, I promise Right. Uh, but until then, remember <laughs> You've always got reason to doubt. Peace out.